Hey, everyone. Welcome to Bridge Stories. This is our new podcast, giving people space and time to tell their stories of encountering God and being changed by Him. We hope you're encouraged by these stories and also that you leave excited that you know a lot of really awesome people a little bit better. So sit back and enjoy. Okay, here we go. Well, we're back on our podcast and I'm here with Phyllis. You can say hi. 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 I am. I think you might be the most famous person at Bridge Community Church. Oh, that's not true. It's 100% true. No. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like celebrity status. Like, people know of you, and they know about you. They might not know you, but they know about you. Oh, do you want my autograph or something? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's we'll fun. have you autograph the table when you're done. This is fun to be here. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I think people are going to be uh, enlightened. I think people are going to like you even more than they already oh, do. You warm my heart. I'm going to start crying. <laughs> Not, don't do it. It's going on the internet. You don't oh, want to cry. Okay. Uh, so why don't you just introduce yourself, Phyllis? Tell us about who you are and, and where you're at in life right now, and we'll, we'll start talking about your life, but just introduce yourself. Well, right now, my name is Phyllis Weiss, and um, I'm part here of, of Zion, and now it's called Bridge. Right. We called it. We were Zion when we first started, and um, my husband was the founder of the church. And um, I'm just being blessed because when I'm here with all the people, I just feel so much love, and it's just a blessing. And this is a blessing, Andy, to be here with you. I just, I, you know, I love you like a grandson. You know that, don't you? Yeah, I do know that. Yes. You're a, you know, sometimes I introduce you as my friend, and then people are like, oh. You know, she's like 60 years older than you, right? right. Like 60 years, I'm 33. Phyllis is not 93 years old. No, but I'm 84. I wasn't going to make you tell everyone that. It's okay. I lived that long. God gave me those years, so. (laughs) Is it strange for you to sit right here on the stage and look out and have nobody sitting here? Yes, it is. But that's okay. But I'm here with you, and we have those over there, and so. Okay, so I, I know you as Phyllis Weiss. Correct. But you were not always Phyllis Weiss. No, I was not. I know a little bit about your background, but I think people will be blown away if you were to tell us a little bit about young Phyllis. What was your what was your maiden name? Yeah, it was Hannerfeld. Hannerfeld. I think the only Hannerfelds in the phone book at that time. There were phone books back then. That was our family. You know, I'm old enough to know what a phone book is. Oh, are you okay? Yeah. So then you know what I mean. Yeah, we used to like call collect and, you know, it was like That's hanging cool. on the big fat ring and a pay, payphone right. booth. Yeah. That's right. They got rid of those not yeah. a while back, but I, I can yeah. recall. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, so... Yeah. So what would you like to Phyllis know? Phyllis Hannerfeld. 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 J-N-E-R-F-E-L-D. Okay. Okay. You did not grow up in California. No, I did not. I grew up in the Bronx, New York, in case you thought this was a southern accent. But this is where I was from, the Bronx. And what was the Bronx like when you were a kid? Just paint a picture for people, because I, I know a little yeah. bit, you're not talking about the modern Bronx. You're talking about very, very specific time frame of living Absolutely. in the Bronx. So, Absolutely. So paint a picture for us. What was that like? I lived in the, I was born in the Bronx, so, so I was, I lived there for 24 years. Okay. Um, and it, it was just a beautiful neighborhood. It was mostly Jewish people, because I'm Jewish by birth, and, um, and we had some Gentile friends, but, you know, most of us that lived in that area were Jewish. And um, it was just, you can walk on the street at night. Uh, I, I remember going out with my friends, and we'd go to the movies and go for pizza. And it was it was like 10, 11 o'clock at night, and I'd walk home. We all walked to a certain plus spot, 
And then we'd leave and go to our own homes. Not, not, not homes, it was apartments. We lived in apartment dwellings. Yeah. And, uh, and if anyone is familiar with the Bronx, we lived off the Grand Con- Concourse, which was a very nice area that, in those years. It was a beautiful area. And have you, have you been back to that area? Yes, and it's really changed quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. So, so you, you grew up in a, a largely Jewish neighborhood. Correct. I, I think that I, I'm, I'm guessing that you're imagining your childhood, but I, I'm, I'm going to throw this out there. I sure. seriously doubt anyone listening is going to have a really clear idea of what it looks like to be born and raised as a young woman in a Jewish neighborhood in New York. Okay. So, so just explain a little bit about a Jewish neighborhood. Like, how, how are Jewish people interacting? What are the, the things that were uniquely Jewish about the Bronx? Uh, well, you, you 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 just knew you belonged in that group because you know. I, to be honest with you, I didn't realize there was a, such a thing as a Christian. Oh, okay. Because any anyone to me that wasn't Jewish was a Christian. I couldn't understand about well, why is it like they have Baptists and there's Presbyterians and and uh, Methodists? What what is all of that? They all believe in the same Jesus. Uh, they couldn't, and Catholics, of course, and they couldn't marry each each other because they were from different religions. And I thought, well, we're Jewish. We can only marry Jewish boys. Jewish girls marry Jewish boys, and Jewish boys marry Jewish girls. That's just known. And so your life just becomes involved in the Jewish world. And so, like I I said, I thought anybody that wasn't Jewish was Christian. So that was, was almost synonymous with just like Gentile or? Yes, yes, that's exactly correct. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so you're growing up in the Bronx. You know what? I, I actually was thinking about this conversation, and I realized I don't know anything about your mom and dad. Oh, well, they were you know, very devout Jews. Okay. Um, they, you know, we, we never really—my my dad went to temple on the high holidays, and then we would go to see him at the temple— uh, my grandparents were orthodox. We were all orthodox. We yeah. kept kosher homes. Um, but my, my grandparents, uh, granddads, my, not my grandmothers, because the, the men were the ones that went to the temple. Right. So they would go every morning and every night. I mean, that was just part of their life. Of course, when then my, in my parents' generation, it was more that they went on the high holidays. Okay. It wasn't more like, like they, they were raised. Um, and of course, like today, it's it's so different. Even today, you know, we. I mean, I remember back then, you you wouldn't dare bring a a boy home that wasn't Jewish. What would happen if you were to bring a boy oh my home? God, they just they would not not be very probably not very nice <laughs> <laughs> to no, you or to the boy. No, no, well, either way, you know, you know, you just don't do it. You just don't do it. You know, you know, and um, but now this generation now this you know people into marriages. It's so common. It's like on my nieces and nephews, they, none of them have married Jewish uh, girls or guys. Interesting. So it's funny, yeah. yeah. But in those years, you just you could not, you wouldn't think. I had a, I had a friend that we still keep in touch today. We, we, we met in junior high, and we've been buddies forever. And uh, she was seeing a, a non-Jew, and her parents never even knew it. They were met in college. and <laughs> So she went out of her way to make sure... Oh, yeah. Mom and dad cannot oh, know this. Oh, yeah. Nobody knows this. Interesting. Nobody knows this, yeah. So, so you, you made mention of it, but I, I'm just curious. So let's just say teenage Phyllis. Yes. You clearly have an idea that there's people who believe in this guy, Jesus. Yes. At that point in your life, what do you know about Jesus? Nothing, except that he was 
in our mind, he was just a, a good man okay. that the a Gentile people made a god out of. And that was it? That was it. Was, was there ever any airtime given to teach you, like, that's not true, or it just no, was... We just, it was just known. You, you know, you're Jewish, and then the other group <laughs> believe in Jesus. But we don't. That's not for us. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it was even hard to say his name. To say Jesus, you know, unless people were using it in, in a cursed way, it was like a bone stuck in your throat. You, just that name, Jesus, you, Jewish people don't say that name. So it's just so culturally embedded that you just knew you just don't talk about it. It's not worth talking about. No, you don't. You just don't. And um, like I said, you, it, it, was, it was unfamiliar, so that it, it was very uncomfortable to even say the name Jesus. Interesting. Yeah. I had no idea. Yes. It, I, never, I don't remember, unless we were using it in vain. Like, you know, you just... Yeah, sure. But we just didn't say Jesus and talk about Jesus. Because he, yeah. was, he was just the man the, the Gentiles made a God out of. He was a nice man. Yeah. And changed religion. He changed religion. <laughs> That's what we thought. He changed religions. So I think sometimes we reduce, I mean, you're in your 80s. Sometimes we're, we're guilty of like reducing your childhood to you were Jewish in New York and fast forward. But I, I'm just curious, like, so I know your personality now. Yes. And your personality has roots from when you were a kid. Were you more like your mom or your dad? You know what? I don't know that I was like either one of them, to be honest <laughs> with you. My mother used to say, Phyllis, I wish two of you on you. <laughs> That's what she did. I wish two of you on you. Uh, so you were a challenging child. Yes, I probably was. Because you know what? I was, they used to call me the Jewish princess. Okay. Because I did nothing. I'm, no, no, and that is the absolute truth. When I got married, I could do nothing. I could literally not boil water. You didn't even know how that worked. I didn't know what to do. So who was doing those things for you? Well, my, my parents, I just lived at home until I got married. I lived at home. And my sister was, is almost five years younger than I was. And so when my mother went back to work, when I, we, she was in junior high, and I was probably in high school. And um, so my mother did go back to work, and my sister was the one that kind of prepared. Like my mother would show her and tell her what to do, and I didn't do anything. And then my, I remember, <laughs> not funny, but I remember my... Um, my mother would say, Phyllis, I need you to, you know, help in the kitchen, go and, you know, help with dishes. And I would go, this is the truth. I'd go, oh, I'm so tired. And my dad would go, oh, leave her alone. I'll do it. <laughs> that was the truth. That was the truth. My sister is a good cook today. My sister could do all those things, but I'm, I'm not. not <laughs> I'll for- be honest. It's a good thing God gave me three sons because I couldn't teach a girl anything. <laughs> That's the truth. That is the truth. People are going to crack up when they hear this. Oh, you yeah. think so? Yeah, I, I think people are going to enjoy you so much, Phyllis. So, so I, I, know, I know that you had a, a period in your life, because you, you showed me pictures of your trophies, that you were yes. a dancer. Yes. A when did that, yeah, ballroom dancer. When did that start? Oh, it started very young. And, you know, I was, I was in, um, I used to take dance and tap lessons. You know, you send your kids. Today, they send them to sports and things. Right. But back then, we did dance and ballet. Could you see me in ballet shoes? But I did, with the tutus, the whole thing. So, I mean, I, I always guess wanted to be on the stage. So I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. But, but you excelled in it. You weren't just doing the lessons. No, I know. I, no, oh, no, no. And then the ballroom dancing, it was just part of our lives. Yeah. We all, you know, we were always going to dances and, you know, just dancing. So, and so I did win a dance contest. And, and a cha-cha contest in Florida. In Florida. 
And That's correct. So it was, and I had a trophy. And they only gave one trophy. And the, the, the guy I had won with, he wanted the trophy. But I said, but the girls get the trophy, not the guys. You told him, I'm the Jewish princess. That's it. But so you know what? He went and got another trophy. So we both can have a trophy. Did, did, did you ever tell him that his trophy's fake and you have the real one? No, I didn't. But he probably knows that. Yeah, deep down in his heart, he knows sure it's he true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you didn't stay in the Bronx. And, and frankly, you didn't stay Jewish, right? Well, I always stay Jewish. Well, you stay Jewish. I'm it, always Jewish. But, but you're... Uh, you can't change that, right? No, you can't change that. You're right. But, but you, you became a Jew who believes in Jesus. Amen. Before that happened, yes. you met a young man. Tell us... The love of my life. Okay, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I'm, I'm going to imagine there's a handful of people who are immediately going to know who that is. Yes. Would you just take a, a quick second, and why don't we just fast forward and let people who maybe are not aware, who was your husband? My husband was Noel Weiss, and he was the founding pastor of this church. Yeah. What year was that? Uh, 19, uh, yeah, 1984 we started. Okay, 1984. Yeah. And he founded Zion Community Church, which is now Bridge Zion Community Christian Church. Zion Christian Center at first. Or Zion Christian Center. Yes. I, and you want to hear a little story about that name? Yeah, I do. This is really a funny story. When we were getting ready to start the church, we had no idea, of course, how many people were going to come. Or uh, We had just come from Melody Land, and several people you know, knew that we wanted to start the church. Anyway, um, we were thinking, well, what are we going to name the church? You, ha- you, know, you have to come up with a name, right? And um, we were thinking of all different kinds of names. And I remember one time my husband said, you know what, honey? How about, you know, this is our Jewish background. My husband is Jewish, too. Right. He's Jewish, too. And... Um, He'd say, how about Shekinah Christian Center? And I'd go, Shekinah? I said, I don't even know how to spell that. I said, how could people find us? They can't spell it either. Nobody could spell that. And it was so funny because that was the first thing he did. Shekinah, you know, the Shekinah glory of God, right? It made sense. You know? I, but I can't spell that. And if I can't spell it, maybe other people can't and they'll never find us. And so um, we would, you know, a few days of whatever went by. And this is the truth. This is exactly how it happened. We were, he was he was in the shaving, and I was fixing our bed. It was in the morning, and um, I was just getting ready to say to him, "How about Zion Christian Center?" I didn't get the words out yet, and he turns around and said, "Honey, how about Zion Christian Center?" And that's how we got the name. Wow, you know it, it's interesting because the name of a church is a big deal. That's right. It, it's so cool that God works while he's shaving and you're making the bed, and that's how you name the church. So, so let it be known from now on. That's the true story. That's the true story. Okay, so let's rewind all the way back. How did you meet Noel? Okay. Um, we were raised in the same neighborhood in the Bronx. Okay. Uh, we went to different elementary schools because, you know, they had districts there, probably just like they do here, too. Uh, and they had districts. So I was on one side of the Grand Concourse. <laughs> And they were on the other. So he was, he was in another group uh, that went to one, one uh, elementary. And some of my friends that became my friends later in junior high went to that same school. So a lot of my friends knew him. And um, I remember I used to hear them talk. Was, his nickname was Chick. Okay. They used to call him Chick and Chicky. His, when he was just a baby, uh, his mother would go, oh, my little Chicky, my little, and it stuck. <laughs> so a lot of the people from our past only call him Chicky, you know. 
The family calls him Chicky, you know, so it's funny. Yeah, that's hilarious. It is. That's his nickname. Especially when he grows into a grown man who pastors a a successful church. Well, and well, and that's when we were were in mission work for a while. We'll go back, get back to that. Yeah, yeah. um, It was still Chicky. So everybody knew him as Chicky. But when we came to Melody Land, he said, he said, you know what? Chicky, I'm going to I'm going to start using my real name. Noel Weiss. And um, and that's so. But you know how, he, even with his, I have to tell you, this, this is a cute story. Okay. Was his name? Because he was, you know, raised as a kid, Chicky, that's your name. Yeah. And so when he started school, his mother said to him, you know what, your, your real name is Noel. So when they, they, when they call you in class, your name is Noel. So that's how he knew that, what, really, because nobody called him Noel. Then, so for years, though, but everyone else called him Chick at home, you know, and, and his friends. Well, when he went into the army, um, he you know was filling out papers, you know, for you know legal name, and Noel Weiss, Noel Donald Weiss, and you know, and 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 Noel D Weiss, and some just Noel Weiss. And they said, they said to him, you know, the officials there, you know, you you write different names. What what is your real legal name? Do you know he didn't even know it? <laughs> no, because he didn't have a middle name. And he wanted a middle name because his sister had a middle name. So his mother, when he was a kid, said, okay, your middle name is Donald. <laughs> and that's what he, So he didn't even know his real name for all these, those years until he got into the Army. He called his mother, what is my real name? Oh, my gosh. Donald was not part of it. Donald it was, just, was not part of it. No, it was just Noel Weiss. Yes. So how old? He was 18 years old? When he went into the service, right, right after, yeah. He, 18, well, so first he goes into like kindergarten, first grade, and he has to be told your Noel. name is not Chicky. It's Noel. That's it's Noel. Right. And then when he's 18, he has to be told you actually don't have a middle, middle name. name. That's correct. <laughs> That's correct. And he was a very intelligent man. Yeah. So you, you kind of heard of him. You, yeah, when I was the first him. time you, you can remember meeting Noel? Oh, I just very clearly remember that well, Then day. tell me that. Yes. Um, because, like I said, I've heard his name because everyone always talked about Chicky, you know, yeah. so good looking. And, you know, so I just and so um, he was in the service because he had started after high school. He started Hunter College in New York for, and he just went a semester and he really didn't know. He was a, he was a musician. OK. He hasn't played trumpet. And um, he really didn't know what he was going to be doing. So he decided he's going to leave college for a while, get to go into the army. Because in those years, a lot of his friends were just joining. It was, it was peacetime. It wasn't in, during this, any war. Right. It was between Korea and Vietnam. And uh, so he decided that he's going to just go into the service as well. And he went into the army. So he was like away pretty much for two years. And so I hadn't met him yet. I didn't know even. Oh, you hadn't met this, him? No. All growing up years, I didn't meet him. Okay. And um, but one of my f- very close friends' uh, family was very close with his family for years. They would belong to the same kind of a club, mm-hmm. and so um, she knew him pretty well. And uh, anyway, but I, like I said, I've heard of him for years and years. You know his name. Um, I didn't even it's know a what he looked like. Hard name to forget. <laughs> but and you know, and I I didn't even know what he looked like. Okay. You know, so. Um, he had just gotten out of service, and I didn't even know, like I said. His mother worked in a, a woman's store right in the area. With anyone that knows the Bronx, Burnside Avenue, they would know Burnside Avenue. And um, I, I was walking with my friend up the street, and he was standing outside. He had just gotten, home, gotten out of the service. It was just recent. And he was standing out in front of the store where she was working. He had gone in to visit her. 
And um, so we started, my friend introduced me, and I was dating one of his friends who was overseas in, in the Army. And um, so she introduced me to him, and I remember saying to her, you know what, you ought to let him take you home. He's really cute. Maybe he'll ask you out. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so, so, and she said, well, I've known him since I'm a kid, you know. And we just, we just had conversation. And, that's, and in the Bronx, we, and, and back in those years, I think probably all over Brooklyn, in the, all those uh, boroughs, you had groups of people. They weren't gangs. They were just friends. We just, we'd meet on the corner by the candy store yeah. so there were guys and girls and so everybody was, was acquainted with, with each other yeah and so we um uh we, we would get to come and he would be coming part of that group where and i was part of that group and we would just and and a few times he would say to me oh why don't you come with me i you know he was just being nice you know when he knew i was dating this friend of his and practically engaged almost but wow i had no idea yeah, it was it was um, it was not official, but, you know, we thought we were uh, uh, together. We we're going to be together. And um, so but he was just being nice because he knew my boyfriend was overseas and to different occasions. And he was playing trumpet at different uh, things. And he would say, come, why don't you come with me for this or come with me? And just and we just became friends, you know. And um, I remember one day I just, oh, I knew this is this is serious like this. I don't know what to do. How could I just tell this other guy that I'm really seeing him, you know? And yeah. uh, but anyway, so it just happened. And I said, "Oh, I just, I just can't break it off." How do you? Back then, you called them the Dear John letters. Oh yeah, people would know that. And I said, "Oh no, I can't do that." So I would just come home every day, and I mean, I, mean, I just still write to my old boyfriend and tell him, you know, that. <laughs> uh, Yes, I still love you, and and I thought, what a phony I probably was back then. I wasn't a Christian yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, oh, <laughs> so, but anyway, and I thought, well, I just can't write him a letter. So, what will I do? So he'll he'll come home, and we'll it'll just we'll just be together. You know? Yeah. That's how you just think, you know. I I was at that time. I was uh, almost twenty. I was well when I met Noel. I was nineteen. Okay. So, um, so that's when we were young, you know, and just, just having fun in life, you know, because like I said, life was so different. You, you weren't afraid. You weren't afraid to leave the house. You weren't, it just was different living in our apartment. Everybody knew everybody, you know, in the apartment buildings. And so, um, but when, when this, uh, when this young man came home from service, um, we just didn't connect anymore, you know, and so we just kind of ended it and, and then, of course, then Noel and I started seeing each other. But, um, but he was so involved in his music, that's all he could think about was his music. And that was his love. And so he wasn't really interested in a serious relationship. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I fell crazy in love with him. I mean, I was crazy in love with him. I used to stand on the subway in, in well, the L in the Bronx, and I would wait till I knew he was going to be going to school. So I would wait and let trains, let trains go by. So I could see him if he came up. I was terrible. I was terrible. I really, I ran, I ran after him till he caught me. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. When, when I grew up, my mom called that smitten. Smitten. Yeah. I, I was. Yeah. Smitten. That was the word. I was smitten. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so you're like 19 or 20. I was 19 when I met him. Mm-hmm. So you, um, I mean, he had to make a choice. He was a grown man, but you kind of, you kind of forced his hand into noticing and. Oh no! Well, we, and we would see each other a lot. Yeah. But it was never like a like we were boyfriend and girlfriend. It was never that at all. Okay, so f- finally, at some point, it became that. Yeah. Well, this is how it happened. Okay. <laughs> um, 
I mean, this is a story. We could go on. You could just tell me when we're done. <laughs> we have all the time in the world. That's the whole deal with the podcast. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. So um, anyway, so um, we were seeing each other on and off, and you know, I if, I would know if he would see somebody else, it would like my heart. But we you know just we were never committed. He would, you know, because like I said, his life was his trumpet, and um, he. He went he finished school. He went back to school when he got out of the service, and it's a Manhattan School of Music. Mm-hmm. It's on the same par as Juilliard. Yeah, it's a very you know famous for the, for um, people in the uh, music world and yeah. the arts. And um, so he went back to school, and so was playing, and then he would just do side jobs, other things, just to make some money. And like I said, we would just see each other, uh, you know, uh, go here or there together, and we were just part of our group. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like I said, I was crazy in love with him. So, but I knew he wasn't committed to anything. Well, in, in the summer, in the uh, winter of um, 1959, it probably was about January or February of 1959, he caught a very bad flu. And um, he remembered he had an uh, he had an uncle in California, um, and this uncle had become a Christian. And of course, the family didn't know anything. What, what Christian? What? He's a Christian, you know, with Jewish people. Who, who's a he's a, a Christian? And he was in mission work, and so he was like kind of ostracized from the family. He had, he had gotten out of the service, the uncle, years before, and met this woman who was a backslidden Christian, and led him to Christ as a Jew. <laughs> it was is this bizarre? My family's bizarre, and so um, so he but he would write home to the family all the time about Jesus being the Jewish Messiah. And they just thought, oh, he's got rocks in his head. What, 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 Uncle Kenny, what? And he was a singer originally, too. Okay. So he was in show. He had the musical. He had the musical ability. But, but he would write home and tell the family. Anyway, one day, my, um, my mother-in-law, well, my, his mom, not my, my boyfriend's mom, yeah. decided, you know what, I'm going to go out and see this brother in California. You know, and it wasn't like it is today. You just hop on a plane and go to California. It was a big deal to travel from the East Coast to the West Coast. Yeah. And so she took my sister-in-law with her, her daughter. Yeah. And they were going to go straighten Uncle Kenny out. And where is he at in California? It's in Santa Monica. Okay, so he... He was in a mission work. They, he was a mis- they did missionary work in Santa okay. Monica. They were they, they, the only mission in uh, all of Southern California that's housed uh, uh, underprivileged families with children. Okay. So that was a, a, it was a big deal. But the purpose, of course, was to get the gospel to the people. Right. And so they decided to come to California, and they were going to straighten Uncle Kenny out. And what is this Jesus in your life? Anyway, when they got here, of course, he started to share with them about Jesus being the Jewish Messiah. And, um, you know, first they, they, they didn't, you know, okay, Kenny, if this is what makes you happy, you do it, but this is not for us. Yeah. And uh, they, they went back to New York, and my mother-in-law I had a dream and, and actually saw Jesus. Wow. My mother-in-law actually, Jesus appeared to her, not in a dream, but appeared to her. Wow. And so, Did and that freak her out. And, and no, because she just because she knew all the things my her brother had told her. Okay. And now here it was. Jesus was standing in front of her, and um, and she accepted Jesus at that time. But you know, we she didn't go to church. She didn't know anything. But you know, she just knew that this experience happened to her. Yeah. And um, and and then she said one time she saw her 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 hands in a. In a, in a, in a a vision like her hands and she looked at her hands and 
she heard the, a voice say, her daughter had big warts on her, uh, on her knees. He said, uh, just uh, uh, put your hands on her warts and they'll, be, they'll go away. And, and she knew nothing. And she never went to church, didn't read the word. You know, as Jews, we didn't read the Bible. We just knew Jewish stories, you know. Okay. So she put her hands on uh, her, her sister's, her, her daughter's knee and the warts were gone. Wow. I mean, the warts were gone. So she, in her heart, knew that Jesus was real. Yeah. She knew that. And, of course, she tried to tell, you know, her husband, and, and this was right um, when my, my husband was going, you know, playing trumpet and just living in the world, you know. Um, so when she would try to tell him about Jesus, and he would say, Mom, if this makes you happy, then you do it too. But, you know, if this is not for me, leave me alone. Yeah. Okay? So um, one Sunday, she was watching because they didn't go to church. They're, you know, you, you, you're Jewish. You didn't go to church. I mean, how do you, you tell people you, that you're a Christian? Were there, were there churches in your, your neighborhood? Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, we had a church on the corner of my house, on Concourse, right there next to our apartment building, and one across the street. It was okay. hysterical. But still, your mom but, never thought to just go into it? Oh, no, my mother-in-law. Oh, yeah, your yeah, mother-in-law, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, but she, where she lived, there was no churches over there. Okay. But, but still, it was close enough. But, but you just didn't think, how could, we're Jewish, we can't go to church, you know? So, but she just knew she believed in Jesus. Yeah. And, and, and for her, that was enough for salvation. Now, what kind of, so you're, you're saying there's like, there's clearly pushback. Like, she went to go straighten Uncle Kenny out. Yes. What kind of pushback would she have had in her own home? Uh, oh, we, she said out loud, "You know what? I, I think oh, Jesus is the Jewish Messiah." Probably disown you. Okay. She'd probably disown you. So she she more or less she j- believed in Jesus. She had these experiences, just, but she, she pretty just, much kept it to herself. To her, well, her husband. She told my father in law, and uh, of course my sister in law was aware of everything then. But at that point, and seeing the healing on her leg, so she believed. But uh, but she was trying to get my. But she didn't tell her sisters or anybody. You okay. know, she was. It was just. It was, that's how it was. You just don't. You, you, it, it was something you couldn't speak about that. You were Jewish. And yeah. This was who you are. You know, you, you betray us. You can't do that. So, uh, so she, um, uh, she, she used to watch all Roberts in those years. He had the big oh, yeah. Ten Crusades on TV. Yeah. And, you know, they had these little screens, you know, over TV. And um, my husband had gone downstairs. They lived on a six-floor apartment building, so they were on the top floor. And he was going downstairs uh, to, to go out that day, and Oral Roberts was on, and he forgot his handkerchief. It was big in those years. He had to have a handkerchief in his back pocket. Okay. So he went back up the stairs to get his handkerchief. And she said to her, you know what, Chick, they called him Chicky. Chicky, just sit down. Look, uh, Oral Roberts is here. You, you, just watch him for a few minutes. So he thought, if I don't watch it, she's never going to get out of my hair. So I'm going to just sit down and watch it. Yeah. And he said... When he was sitting there watching this little TV screen with all Roberts on it, he said, all of a sudden, the room in the, the apartment building, right, was a white cloud just covered the whole room, and all he could see was the picture with Oral Roberts on it. He didn't see anything anywhere. Oh. And, 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 he, and he just sat and, and just watched, but he didn't accept Jesus at that time. But he remembered that experience. That, I mean, it was a very weird, odd experience for him. Yeah. And, but he never said anything. He just went on. Well, th- that winter, as I said, he developed a very bad cold in New York. And so he, he's decided, you know what? 
I, I, just to get better, I, I think I'm going to take a leave of absence. He had another year left at Manhattan School of Music to, to get his degree. And he said, um, you know what? I think I'm going to go and see my uncle in California. I just want to see him and talk to him. Because, you know, he, I, he remembered that experience. Right. You know, even though he never probably shared it with anybody, I would think, at that time. And um, so he said, I'm going to just take a leave of absence and go. And he, so he made plans. And that was February of 1959 in February and of course when he told me that he was leaving for California I honestly thought my life was going to be over and what if he stayed there I'll never see him again Mm. and um and it was it was it was really a horrible goodbye for me um uh, I remember I, I was almost like out of my mind and crying and and he it was it was really terrible and he said Phyllis I, I, it sounds funny now, but it wasn't at that time. He said, Phyllis, if it's meant to be with us, it will be. And if it's not meant to be, it's better 3,000 miles away. And he said, if I miss you, I'll write. How Whoa. is that for good news after three years of seeing him? If I miss you, I'll write. Okay. So we said our goodbyes. And, um, of course, I'm around looking for mail all the time. Yeah. And finally gets a letter, and just a real sweet, nice letter. And about after a couple months, he called, it was in June, and I was ready to go on a vacation with a friend of ours. We were going to go down to Mexico for a two-week vacation. And all of a sudden, I get a phone call from him, and he said to me, I know, I know that you're going down to Mexico, uh, for, a, for a vacation, but I want you to come to California instead. And I thought, oh my gosh, California! How can I come to California? We're ready to go to Mexico. You know, I, how can I do this to my friends? And I mean, I was his friends too. That you know, and yeah. so um, he said, no, it's okay. Just call me and tell me what fl- your flight, flight you're coming in on. And he hangs the phone up. <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, I got to go to California. I got, I just got. You know, this I'm, is your big chance. Well, I, and this, and I was 21, so I mean, I didn't need like real permission from you know. And so I called my friend, and I said, "How would you like to go to California instead of Mexico?" She said, "California." She was married to one of his friend, one of Noel's best friends. And um, they were divorced after three months, so it was a oh. real quick thing. And he was living in, Flo- in California, too. She said, Phyllis, I have nothing in California but the next husband that I don't want to see. And she said, so if you want to go, I hope he dumps you when you get there. <laughs> no, that, those were her words. You know, we didn't talk for years. For years, we didn't talk. Wow. After that. Um, but I knew I had to go. See, I didn't know at that point that Noel had accepted Jesus. Okay. He called me. See, I didn't know that. I didn't know that he had an uncle in California yeah. that was a missionary and a Christian. So, so in your in your mind, does did the word missionary, did that even make no, any sense? No. You they, didn't even know what that was. Know, it's like, you know, you hear missionary, you know, people in a jungle somewhere. I yeah. mean, but it, we didn't we know those terms. Everything was foreign. Yeah. So, but it was a mission in the city of Santa Monica. So anyway, but we're going on long. Is this too long? No. No, we have hours. We have wh- however long we want to go, we get to go. Oh my gosh, that's, that's the beauty of this. This is my life. I'm 84 years old. You know, we could go until next yeah. week. You're going to be blown away how many people are going to listen to this whole thing too. Don't you worry. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Don't scare me like that. Anyway, so um, 
I, I made reservations to go to California because I, mean, I told my parents and that, you know, that I wanted, then they knew how I felt about him. And um, so I, I, it was so hard to get a reservation back in those years because it wasn't like today. Yeah, you don't jump you don't, on the internet. I know, well, I'm not that I go on the internet now. But, <laughs> but, we don't, but, but you don't, you, you just couldn't make reservations. And I just knew I had to get there, you know, to California. I had to get there to see him. And so um, uh, I remember making, calling in airlines and saying, I don't care if you t- I take a train to a plane to a bus, but please, you got to get me this weekend to California. And so we made, I made the reservation, and there I was on my way to California. Have you ever been to California before? Never. No. It, so growing up in New York in, oh. the, in the 50s. What, 40s and 50s. 40s and 50s. What is the vision of California and New York? Well, oh, you time? know, Hollywood, trees. Okay. Of course, Hollywood. What do you think of? So, right? so this, is, this is an exciting trip, not just for Noel, but you're going to a, a, place, a place that's very of, different. And, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. But one thing I had done while he was gone these few months I bleached my very dark, was well, not now, but I had very dark hair, blonde, while he was gone. <laughs> I mean, blonde, blonde. But you never told him? Oh, yeah, I did. I told him that I was blonde. And what did he... No, but, but he, I mean, he didn't know what to expect to yeah. see me. So anyway, so here I was. Now, you've got to remember my vision of California, right? The Hollywood scene. Right. So here I am, getting off the plane. And in, and in those years when they, they, you got off on the tarmac, you right. didn't, they didn't have terminals like they do today. And so I remember sunglasses. I mean, it was, I must have been a, a sight to see. You know, and I get off the plane and coming down the ramp, and I just can't wait to see him with just my blonde hair. And, um, I saw, and he was waiting for me. And he, he picks me up, and it was so wonderful just to see him. And he was, he was driving his uncle's car. Okay. And all I knew was that his uncle became a Christian and married to a Christian woman. Right. So I didn't know anything about Christian. Like I said, Christian was nothing. It was just that you weren't Jewish and you were different from me. Yeah. So he said to me, you know what, Phyllis? I, I, he was working at a, a, a car dealership just to make some extra money while he was out here. He said, Phyllis, I have to go to work in L.A., he said, but my aunt and uncle are going to call you. I think he checked me into the hotel. And um, he said, they're going to call you, and they're going to take you out to lunch because they, you know, so you can have something to do while I'm at work. So I said, oh, that's nice. And um, after he left, by the way, the hotel, the motel that I stayed at, was, it was in Culver City because that's where his aunt and uncle lived, and he was living with them at that time. He moved out of the apartment with his friends. And he was living with his aunt and uncle. And the, the hotel, there was a motel, it was right next door to a four-square church. <laughs> he said the Holy Spirit was probably just coming in the, the room there. I, I'm envisioning it as you're telling the story. They should have made a movie. The, the, <laughs> Jewish, the Jewish princess touches down. Yeah, and now, and now I'm the queen, you know. Oh, you oh. Know that I, didn't, oh, well, I yes. know that you are now. Now, yeah, because you graduate from princess to queen. At some to, point. When we get to that <laughs> part of the story, you let me know when it became princess to queen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And so he left me, at, you know, at the hotel, and, I, and I, I, then I remembered. He told me about his aunt and uncle being Christians, and he was a minister, his uncle. And I thought to myself, I'm sitting by myself in the motel, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what, am, what, what will I say to him? What can I talk about to a minister? I didn't even ever talk to a rabbi, you know. Like, I don't know what, what, what kind of conversation. And we smoked, of course, back in those years. I smoked, and 
I thought, oh, can I smoke in front of him? Well, I mean, you don't know what to yeah. do. I, this was very strange to, to know I'm going to see a minister. And I'd imagine there's, there's the pressure of you want to impress Noel as well, Absolutely. or Chickie. Yeah. Yeah, I impress his family. Yeah. Of course. And so you're, you're what, 21, 22 years 22. old? 22. Okay. 22. Wow. This was June in 1959, June. Okay. So he'd been gone four months. And so he leaves me with them, and they pick me up, and, you know, they seem, you know, normal talking. And so we, we, we visited and had lunch, and um, it was like, you know, it was God the whole way. It was just God the whole way because he said to me, I said to him, um, so, uh, Kenny, I, I don't understand something. How come you, a Jew, that was in show business, you were a singer? I said, how did you become a Christian and, and a minister, you know? Well, you don't need a bigger open door than that to have to tell somebody this, the story of Jesus, right? Yeah. And he started to share Jesus with me. And, he, and all the, oh, I said, you know, I don't believe in the New Testament. I'm, a, I'm Jewish. And yeah. he said, no, no, I'm going to show you Jesus in the Old Testament. And I thought, Jesus, you know, you're going to show me Jesus in the Old Testament. Were you, were you, were you legitimately curious or were you just trying to be polite to the well, I think I was probably curious at that okay. point, you know, just, just, just as a conversation. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we went and he brought me back. To, and we just visited a little bit that way and just shared a little bit. And you know, the next day they, they picked me up again because it was fun. Noel had to work all these few days. And so it gave the opportunity for me to be with them. And um, they would tell me more about Jesus. They would start telling me that, I'll show you Jesus in the Old Testament. And I was like, I knew the Bible. I didn't know the Bible. We never read the Bible. I just knew stories. You know, the Red Sea. Yeah. You know, Solomon. But, you know, they bring the boy. You know, and whose child is it? Those are the stories you, you knew. from. Uh, but but not Jesus was not part of that. And so... Um, I remember saying to them, um, Jesus in the Old Testament, I know better than that. You know, I know he's not because that's for us. The New Testament is right. for you and the Old Testament is for us. And, uh, well, he started showing me scripture. Like he, he took me to Isaiah 714. Well, I didn't even know what Isaiah was. How, I mean, I, but it sounded Jewish, so it must have been Isaiah, right? <laughs> Must have been, must You're have been right. his word for everything yeah, at yeah, that yeah, point. Yeah, it must have been right. And it was, about, it was born of a virgin, and I thought, well, we don't believe that. We don't believe you. You need a man and a woman to have a child. So, right. but, but he said, no, Phyllis, this is in, in the Bible you just told me you believed in. A virgin's going to conceive and bear a son. That's in the Bible and that we're supposed to be reading? Yeah. Then he takes me to Micah, where he's born in Bethlehem. Well, we all knew that. I mean, when you grow all through your years, you grow up at Christmas singing old little town in Bethlehem. You know, yeah. so I mean, the scripture after scripture that his hands and feet would be pierced. Well, we all, everybody knows these things, and he's showing me that in the Old, Old Testament. Testament, right? Yeah. And so, oh my gosh! After a couple of days, scripture after scripture, and like I said, we never read the Bible, so it—I mean, it was like a surprise to me. And um, one of the days, it was a couple of days that my that he was working, Noel was working, and I was with them. And one of it's like I believe God used this. It, it sounds crazy, and you might think it didn't really happen the right way. But he said, his aunt said to me, "You know what, Phyllis? You know, Noel just uh, became a Christian. He just asked Jesus to. Well, they called him Chicky. He just asked Jesus to come into his heart and accept Jesus as his savior. 
and, and Jewish Messiah. And then she said, and you know what he said? He said he thinks if you became a Christian, he thinks he'd marry you. That's all I had to hear. <laughs> now this really got exciting. And okay. I want to know more about this. So you, you got a glimpse of your golden ticket. Yes, uh, I did. Oh, my God. I had, I had no idea. I didn't know this part of the story. Then, oh. So you have some conflicting motives to know more oh, about yeah, Jesus absolutely. at this point. Absolutely. I confess it. It's the truth. I, I did. And um, I thought, oh, my gosh. It's this important? He would marry me? He never said he loves me even. And um, so I remember that night going back to the motel. And I remember laying in the bed. And for the first time in my whole life, I really felt the presence of God, a consciousness that there's a God. I mean, I can't mm. even explain it. It's, it's probably never happened like that to me. But I was aware of, of something other than this world and this life. And so the next morning, I called this aunt and uncle. I said, could you come on over? I want to hear a little more about this Jesus. Mm. No, really, because, I, and I know God used that. Because I, it, my, I did have a motive. Yeah. You know, why wouldn't I, you know, my goodness, the love of my life. And he said he'd marry me if I believed this stuff, you know. And so they came over and they started to share. And right there at the bed in the, it was called Stearns Motel in Culver City, we knelt down and we prayed and asked Jesus to come into my heart. To be honest with you, Andy, I didn't know what I did. I didn't understand what I did. But for some reason, I just felt that it was right. I, I, don't, I, I don't even have the words because I don't even understand it myself. Hmm. But, I mean, I never lost that, you know, even through the, the years before we even came into ministry. I never lost that. That's what I did, you know, and accepted it. And so, you know, they were so excited. They called Noel at work and said, Phyllis just accepted Jesus, you know. And so, I mean, everybody's excited. I didn't even know what, what did I do. I did something big, you know, everybody's so excited. <laughs> and so the next day, I was, God had this whole thing planned. It was just within a few days, right? The next day, Noel had off. And so we went into L.A., and he wanted to show me, you know, around some of the sites and where he was living before. And um, I remember we had gone back to the apartment where he was staying with some friends at that, before he moved in with his aunt and uncle. And, um, and this was only over four months now that he was gone. And um, they, they had a pool there at the apartment complex. And so we were both sitting at the pool. I was in the water. My hair was just dripping wet and everything. And he looks at me and he said to me, do you want to get married? Just like that. And so I said to him, yeah, you know somebody? <laughs> this, is how, this, is, this was our proposal. I said, yeah, you know somebody? He said, yes, me, stupid. <laughs> And I thought he was joking. I mean, I he, he wanted to get married, you know. He said, yeah, I'm serious. He said, why don't we just get married? And I thought, you're really serious? And he said, yeah, well, why don't we, let's go and, and to tell my aunt and uncle. I thought, well, he must be serious. He wants to tell his aunt and uncle. So we get to his aunt and uncle's house, and we tell them. And they said, you know what? Why don't you just get married here tomorrow? get married here tomorrow I mean you had to get blood tests and all that stuff so we couldn't get married the next day but we could get married the day after because you got to get blood it was an evening we couldn't do anything that fast and so here we are we could, we're running to get blood tests because I don't now you don't probably have to get blood tests but back then you had a blood test when got got the results of blood tests we went to the Santa Monica City Hall got marriage license and we got married 
and, and their house. Okay, so in between, I I I do recall that you told me this story, but I have a I I've always had this question. So in between him asking you, yes. and you weren't sure if he was kidding at the pool, right. and you actually doing it, do you phone home at all? No, because they, we decided <clears throat> we both would be. I was twenty one, and he was twenty two. I mean, I I was twenty two, and he was twenty three. Okay. And so we said, we don't have to call and get permission. So why don't we just, because if we would call, they would say, you know, why don't you come home and we'll have a wedding here. Then you can finish school. He had a year left of Manhattan School of Music. So we thought, why go through all that? Let's just go, let's go ahead and just get married. So we got married in his house, so, in his aunt and uncle's house. So you got married. What was the conversation like when you told your parents? Okay, so the next day... We couldn't stand it anymore. We thought we would just come home and, and, and you know, then tell them. We weren't going to tell them. <clears throat> and, and so we said, we can't stand it. we got to call them and tell them we got married. So we called them up, and we said, you're sitting? You know, both parents, right? Uh-oh. <laughs> sitting down. What's going on? Because I, when I left to go to see him, my parents knew about his aunt and uncle being Christians. And, and they knew about the mission and all that. So they were concerned, you know, about... Even your mom was concerned. Everybody was concerned. My, my mother, my father. But, you know, it, it, they, they weren't real aware of what was going on. Sure. So I, I, but I, so I said, um, so we called them. We told them we had just gotten married and that we were going to be coming home the, the following week because he was going to go back to school and um, finish his degree. And then we're going to come home. And so we... Um, I mean, and they, they were excited, and they were happy for us, really, they were. And so we, we flew home the next did, week. I'm sorry to cut you off. Did, they, did you tell them that you were also a oh, Christian? No, no. Oh, no. Okay, okay. And so, um, and we married in a Christian ceremony. His uncle married us as Christians, you know, Christians. Were you, were you, were you nervous? Were you terrified? Were you like, what, what was your no, feeling was, about it? You know what? I think I was in such awe of being, becoming his wife. You know, that everything just fell in and it was just okay. Everything was okay. Hmm. We knew we weren't going to talk about Jesus to my family because his family already knew, his, his father and his, you know. Oh, his, his parents already knew that he had become a Christian. Well, well, his, well his mother, of course, because she, she accepted the Lord and his dad, of course, knew all that because of, she had shared with the dad. And so um, we, we decided to fly home. Well, in the meantime, in this week, my parents and her, and his parents decide they're having a Jewish wedding for us without telling us. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're going to get married without telling us. We're going to throw you another wedding without telling you. Without telling you. So, but they're th- they're moving forward with plans, not knowing that you're a Christian. Correct. And they wanted us to get in, in their mind. They they probably got the impression that it was a civil ceremony. Okay. I'm sure that's what they were thinking. You know, I, they had no clue about a Christian ceremony. They didn't know about my life then. So um, we get off the plane, and they said, okay, guys, you surprised us. Now we're surprising you. you we have a wedding tomorrow night with the rabbi. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is great. You know, we're going to have a big wedding now. So we had, we had a big wedding. I mean, the next night we had a big wedding. And a rabbi married us. And my husband would say, Phyllis, I married you twice. I'm not marrying you again. <laughs> so, um, so we had this big Jewish wedding. And, I mean, nothing was said. We didn't, the rabbi didn't know that we got married in a Christian. You just knew that we got married in California. Now we wanted a Jewish ceremony. Yeah. So that was up. It was a whole thing. And I, I remember one time I was with my aunts and my mom, probably several months later, you know, and 
because we never talked about Christ, our Christianity to them. I mean, how could you tell them that they were Christians? They, they didn't want to hear about that. And so I remember we, whatever the conversation was, because it was never a religious conversation that we would ever have. You know, we were Jewish, and that's, that, that's what yeah. we were. So, um, but I don't even remember, it was so long ago, what the conversation was. It was all sitting at the table with my mom and my aunts, my mom's sisters, and we were talking, and from something I must have said, they said, Phyllis, do you believe in this Jesus? And I remember sitting there, and one thing his uncle had told us, you know, the Bible says, if you deny me, I'll deny you. It's funny, just little kind of nuggets that they shared with us. And that's it lingered with you. lingered with me. And I, did, I just sat there and I thought, oh my gosh, I can't say no. And I said, yes, I do. Well, my mother said, don't you ever talk like this again. Don't ever mention this again to anybody. And that was the end of it. We never talked about it. But, but my husband was telling everybody about Jesus, his friends. He just... It was just so excited. Jesus is a Jewish Messiah. It was just so so real and so tangible to him. He had no choice. He just felt like he had to do everybody. that. So I, I, I want to hear more about, because I know you go back to Santa Monica, right? Yeah. But but, but before that, I... I'm, that was two years later. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm just curious, as, as your life continued, did you keep in contact with your parents pretty closely? Oh, that I mean, after we got Just, married? Yeah, as they aged. Did, did oh, absolutely. Well, when we stayed in New York for two years. Right. And he finished his school. He got his degree in music. And, and that was what we thought our life would be. New York, he's going to, you know, get into local aid too, you know, the music in, in the field. And, and, and that was what he was going to do. Yeah. And, um, and I was working. I had a good job. I was a medical secretary. So, um you know, we just, that's what, that was our life. And we never thought of going to church, you know, because like I said, we, you just, that's not our life. It wasn't church, it was not our life. And, but we did know that we were Christians. And like I said, he told everybody about Jesus being the Jewish Messiah. It's, it's so, it's so foreign to me to yeah. think of a situation where somebody would come to know Jesus in 2021. Yes. Be so on fire for Jesus and literally not attend church at all. Well, because back then it just it, it wasn't it wasn't our way of living. Yeah, it wasn't like today. Today, you know, when when we first gave our lives to Jesus, did we hardly ever met anybody that was Jewish, that was a Christian. You, I mean, I mean, people when we came out here, people would, would call him all the time to come and share his testimony because there weren't many Jews that received Jesus. Hmm. Now you could go anywhere in, in any church in any group of Christians and find Jewish believers. Yeah. It wasn't that way back then. So, so tell me how, because my understanding of the story from, from spending time and talking with you is, so you don't stay in New York, you end up going back. After two years, we, we were in New York for two years, and like I said, he finished his degree there, and um, he, he had taken a job, because he was taking just little odd jobs while I was going to school. But he had taken, and he was doing, playing, you know, on and off here at different groups, you know, just like bar mitzvahs, weddings, you know, and making some extra money doing that. But he had gotten an offer up in the Catskill Mountains in New York. You know, it was a big thing in the summertime. We went to the Catskill Mountains. So they had the big hotels there. had big Summer camps and all kinds a of big, stuff. Well, big hotels. It was a big, it was a big deal. And so um, uh, he, he got a job up there playing in a band, you know, at, at, as a, a trumpet player for the summer. 
So I was staying here, you know, I was working, not here, I mean working in New York. I was staying at home, and he was up in, in, um, in the Catskills uh, playing trumpet. And um, he called me when, when he just was up there about a week or something, and they were rehearsing. And uh, he, we rehearsed, and he called me that night, and he said, Phyllis, I want to tell you what just happened. We were rehearsing a, 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 the, the show, and, at, and all of a sudden, he said, I lost the embouchure, which is the, in your lip when you're a, tr- a trumpet player or any, any horn. And it just collapsed. I, I couldn't play a note. It was just gone. He said, he said and I feel such a peace. I mean, that's just a career. So, so he, didn't, he didn't feel like a sense of devastation. There was no. something he peaceful said, all about it. All of a sudden, a peace came over me. And he said, all oh, the guys in the band, they were like, no, what are you going to shake? What are you, you going to do? My goodness, you know. Um, he said, no, it's going to be okay. But the show he was playing, it was really a very ungodly show. It was, um, it was uh, female impersonators, impersonators and one male impersonator. And um, they said, you know, what, what are you going to do? You, I mean, you, you lost your lip. What, what? He said, you know, it's going to be okay. And I, I mean, I was a wreck when he called and told me what happened. And it, I remember it was raining, and he was going to drive home from the Catskills that night. And I said, "Please don't drive home tonight. You know, it, it's so it's raining, it's so hard." And I'm thinking he's so he's got to be depressed out of his head. You know, his whole career just yeah. right in front of him. And he said, "No, Phyllis, I'm fine. I have a peace. It's, it's, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay." And um, I mean, I'm freaking out. You know, it's typical <laughs> Jewish nervous lady. So. Um, he, ca- he came home and he was peaceful. He was peaceful. He said, "You know, God knows." I mean, he, he, God had him from the very beginning when he yeah. he just did. I think those are the the moments where you can accept Jesus and you can follow Jesus. But those are the moments where you you get a glimpse into what Jesus has done in people. Right. That's right. Yeah. He really had that experience. You know, I believed in Jesus, but I, but he didn't have my whole being yet. I still was holding on to. You know, I, I'll hold on to this world, but I do believe Jesus is our Jewish Messiah. Yeah, that's, that's probably where I was at in those years. Okay, and um, and so he came home, and he, you know, he just, you know, thought, what are we going to do? You know, what what should we do? And he, and we started to think about it because he had already graduated, and um, he said, you know what, he had he had a, a, a great aunt and uncle in California here that were very famous people. They were um, Mama and Papa Weiss. They owned a Hungarian restaurant in Beverly Hills. Okay. And they were very well-known. A lot of the, the, the um, celebrities went to their restaurant, and uh, she, had a, she was Mama Weiss and had a cooking show. Oh, wow. TV. Wow. TV. And so they, they were famous people, and they had this big factory where they produced all this stuff. So um, we said, you know what, why don't we you know, go back to California? We were happy, you know, and... Um, we can call up Mom and Papa Weiss because, you know, we had seen them when we were there. And as a matter of fact, they wanted us to get married. They wanted us to have a wedding there at their house when, when they heard we were going to get married. Um, we went and told them that day. And so my, my father-in-law said, because it was his relatives, he said, yeah, we're going to, I'll call them and, and tell them, do you want to go out and see if they have, because they had this big, you know, business and the rest of everything. And they were, like I said, they were very successful. And so he called him up, and he said to my father-in-law, oh, my gosh, have the kids come out. We'll take care of them. Have them come out. We'll... 
So here we go. We could sell everything we had, which was not very much in the few years. <laughs> in one little uh, studio apartment we lived, and um, we and we we're going to go. And I was going to be another Mama Weiss, you know. So you know, I, I mean, that's what we had in our head. We're going to work for the Weisses. Yeah. And, uh, so we we sell everything, and we come out here, and we and we we call them up, and we go we go to see them, and they said to Noel, "Did you get yourself a job yet?" And we said. What? <laughs> they said, well, you know, business took a turn, and, you know, we really can't put anybody on right now. And we thought, oh, my gosh, what do we do? But Noel was always peaceful. Yeah. And he said, um, you know what, Phyllis? He was looking for other work. And my husband was a very good-looking man, very well-dressed, very well-educated, and, I mean, spoke. My husband could not get a job, hmm. no matter what he applied for. He could not get a job. And I used to say, honey, you're not trying hard enough. You know, because I got a job right away as a medical secretary here in, in, in uh, L.A. And um, he, said, he said, you know what? I think God wants me to go into the ministry. And I thought, God wants you to go into the ministry. You know, I'm a Christian. That's one thing. I believe in Jesus. But ministry? This is, this is not what we talked about. So he said, I really do believe that God wants me to tell my uncle. To go on and go in because we had started going to the mission church okay. uh, Sundays when we we lived in Beverly Hills because when we moved out we moved to Beverly Hills we got a place in Beverly got to live in Beverly Hills we we, we also came out in a big convertible blue convertible because you don't have to have a convertible when you come to California the princess right? enters California you she's got to be got to so have style big, <laughs> I mean it was so it, it was so typical of what our life was in New York that you just bring it with you and now what do you do when you're in California you just Live like that. Only I didn't have blonde hair anymore. Okay. I, 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 you I you went back to the natural. It was, it was too much work to have blonde hair. So, um, so, we, we, I, I, so I, I said, honey, God's not calling you into the ministry. You're just not trying hard enough to get a job. Like I was so spiritual. Like I knew what God wanted. <laughs> and his uncle had said to him, you know what, Chicky, when, when you were just a young man, God spoke to me that someday he's going to work with you. And so that was like a confirmation to him. And, and so he said to me one day, he said, you know what, Phyllis? I love you very much, but you could take everything we have here, whatever we have, and you could go back home to your parents, but I am going to serve God with or without you. That was a big step for him to have to take. Wow. And because uh, he, he knew in his heart that God, God, God was calling him. And we were young Christians. We didn't know anything. You know, we'd, like I said, we'd watch all Roberts on Sunday morning like my mother-in-law used to do. Yeah. We'd put our cigarettes out, you know, because we can't smoke in front of all Roberts. You know? <laughs> and so, um, by the way, we stopped smoking. I, that was part of it. Too. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I'm smoking. glad. Yeah, I was going to ask you, are you still smoking there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Little drinks here and there, but... <laughs> Anyway, so, um, but this is a long story, isn't it? You're going to get tired of hearing me. No, I'm not tired of it at all. Sure? I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in it, actually. We're good buddies now, I know, aren't we? We have we, been since been. he came here. We've been. He's been like my grandson, believe me. I told my, you. my most vivid memory of you is you yelling into my pregnant wife's stomach, <laughs> saying, you will recognize this voice. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and he does. He does, yeah. <laughs> His beautiful little boy, Colton. And, um, yeah, so... Uh, he said, and I, I knew I was never going to leave him. I mean, I, I just loved him. I wasn't, it was so... You were still smitten. I was smitten. And, um, but I remember when, my, um, when we left New York, this time to, to drive, and we said goodbye to my parents. 
because my, my mother then, of course, knew what I had told her, that I do believe in Jesus. She knew about the mission and his aunt and uncle. And the words my parents said as we were leaving to me, don't go to that mission. So that was in my head. Oh, my gosh. Now i got to tell my mother, my son, husband wants to work at the mission. You know, I mean, I, 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 it was more than I could handle. And so, um, excuse me, so I... Uh, we, we decided, you know, he couldn't get a job. And he said, Phyllis, I really believe this is what God wants me to do. Yeah. So I said, oh, honey, if that's what you want to do, do it, you know. And um, so he told his uncle. And, of course, his uncle and aunt were just thrilled, you know, that it was going to work. So with were him. the uncle and the aunt, they were running the mission? Yes. They, okay. they, okay. they founded it and running. I said, okay, they, so they weren't just working there. They, they, it was theirs. They, they had they a, a, a build, We had a, a building in Santa Monica uh, right on 14th Street between Olympic and Pico. Right. I don't know if you're familiar with that area down there, but it's in Santa Monica. And so they had this, a beautiful building, you know, where they housed underprivileged families with children. The only place that took families with children. And, um, and they, of course, the big thing was to get the gospel to them. So they had services several times a week. We had, I mean, that was just the life there. And we, still, we lived in our own little apartment. And um, I thought, oh, my goodness, how am I going to have to? I have to tell my parents, you know, that... We're going to be in the mission, working in the mission. What can I do? I had my job, but so when I told them, oh my gosh, I get a call from my um, aunt, and she said, Phyllis, you don't know what you're doing to your family. Your uh, your sister's going to have a baby, you know, and you're never going to see that baby. Your 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 mother fainted in the subway, and they had to take her to the emergency. You you better come home. You don't know what you're doing. And I, you know, and to be torn. I mean, the enemy was just. Fine. And I was such a new Christian; I didn't know anything. Hmm. And um, but I knew I wasn't going to leave my husband too. I just knew that. Yeah. And um, and I knew he had to do what he, he he was in his heart. He had to do what God told him to do. And so I remember um, we were at this little mission, and we used to have the altar calls at the mission. And um, and we were only there several months at that time. It wasn't like long. And we were in this apartment, and um, uh, we, we, I remember that day, that night at the service and the mission. It was just a little mission, you know, where they, the, the people that were living there had to go, and we had a few people that came as church people. And I remember sitting in that um, pew, and I'm thinking, I couldn't say, I couldn't speak to the, the pressure of my family and my, my love for my husband. I, I, I was so distraught. And I thought to myself, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm just never going to come back here again to the service church. I'm just not, I just can't do this. I can't handle mm. this. I can't do this. And so I didn't want to say anything to anybody because, you know, I didn't want to make a scene. And so at the end of the service, you know, everybody goes forward and they walk back, you know, the old Pentecostal days. <laughs> and we, um, not that I'm putting that down. Don't, don't misunderstand me. Okay. Putting, no, nobody's going to perceive that. Um, and, um. So I went forward, and I thought, this is it. Nobody has to know, but I'm never coming back. I'm telling this to God. I'm never coming back. And while I was down at the altar, there were two ladies that came over to me. They didn't know anything, and they started praying for me, not knowing what was going on in my heart. And when I got up from that altar, something changed in me. Hmm. I knew, you know what, I'm gonna, I am going to stay here and serve God with my husband. Hmm. This, is, this is what God's caused us to do. 
And so we, of course, we stayed. And uh, and a few uh, weeks later, because I hadn't heard from my parents, my mother and dad, they called and they said, Phyllis, you're still our daughter and we love you. And if this makes you happy, you want to do this, you do it, you know. But just don't, you know, take it tell us about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, um, and, so, and then we started serving the Lord in the mission. And, 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 and then I had three sons while we were in the mission. Um, there was... Um, I had one. I had one son. Then I had another son. Twenty months later, and then two days less than eleven months later, I had my third son. Wow! Thirty-one months. I had three babies, and the physician came available because we were living in this little apartment. Yeah. The physician came available in the mission to actually be in the mission, I and mean, you run the whole thing and live there in the mission. With so it was taking over from Noel. No, no, they were, they were, they were in charge. They were the, the, the pastors and founders and all, but they lived in a the house. They had their own house, but they needed somebody that would oversee inside and be there, you know. See, okay. To, to run inside. So you're going to move out of the studio and into the mission. Yeah, our little apartment. In, 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 uh, by then, we had moved to Culver City. Okay. We graduated from Beverly Hills because we couldn't afford that anymore. <laughs> the mission, we couldn't afford Beverly Hills. And so we were living in this, and I had these three little babies. And um, I remember the, um, Noel said, you know what, Phyllis, I think we're supposed to take that job in the mission. I see, all I had was the fear. Of, you know, of what will my parents say if I tell them now we're moving in the mission? You know, it's, I feared God. I feared my family more than I feared God. Mm-hmm. That was the bottom line. We do. We fear people more than God. And I didn't know. And I thought, oh, my gosh. I move into the mission. We've got three babies here, you know. And uh, he said, I, I really think that's what we're supposed to do, take that job. And so anyway, one day I'm praying, and I remembered a story someone had told about a missionary that had been a missionary for many, many years overseas in, in, you know, in you know, the jungle areas. And, you know, anybody was an elderly man now. And he was back home from the mission field and hadn't been in the mission field for quite a few years. And the story was that he said, God spoke to him and said, I want you to go back to the mission field. And he said, uh, God, I'm old now. I can't. I've served many years on the mission field. I can't do this again. I, I, you know, I'm too old. And he said, but I want you to go. And he said, he would argue back and forth with God. And I remembered the story that somebody told. And um, finally he said, you know what, I just gave up. And I said, okay, God, I'll go. And I'll go back to the mission field. And then the Lord said to him, now I don't want you to go. I just wanted you to be willing. So I thought, okay, God, I'll go live in the mission Oh, man. I hope this formula works for me. Yeah. Yeah, Okay, I'll do it, God. Then when you're checking your watch, like when is God going to call and say, just kidding, you don't have to go? Right. God, I'll go. If you want me to go, I'll go. And of course, God wanted us to go. Yeah. So we moved into the mission and uh, we we stayed there for 10 years in, in the mission, living there. Yeah. And it was very difficult. You know, well, I think we actually lived there seven years. Uh, my, my my boys were growing up, and it, it was so difficult because we worked day and night. My husband would go door to door. That was his job. He would go door to door telling people about the mission and to, to uh, raise funds for the mission. And I was pretty much running the mission. Mm. You know, people in and out all day long, and... Uh, you know, people, some people that are angry that they have to come to church service, and it, you couldn't stay there if you didn't attend the service. You had to come to stay, and, and we gave them three meals a day, you know. So, 
um, it was a very trying time for me. Yeah. It really was a very trying time for me um, with raising three babies. And I mean, and then my husband started reading a lot, you know, and he, he was, he studied and he searched and he, he was saying, you know, because they, they were very legalistic, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. Everything was almost sin, you know, and um, he started reading and about the grace of God and the mercy of God and says, that, you know, this is not, I, I, things are still, not, shouldn't have to be this way. Yeah. And so the more they, they, they would say, no, no, his aunt would say to me, don't let Noel read that stuff. Don't let him, he doesn't need to read all that stuff, you know, and because he was, he was, you know, making suggestions and saying, you know, just, you know, this, this is, should be this way and, Anyway, it came a day that um, we were going on a little trip with them, the parents, his aunt and uncle. Yeah. We were going to go to New York. Now, his aunt had never been there with these people, and this was my whole life, my family, and everybody was back there. And we were going to make a trip to New York with them with my three babies. My youngest one was like eight weeks old. Oh, my So I had three, three babies. And... When we got there, it took us a long drive, and that's a, a, a very long story. But when we got there, um, they they didn't want to. His aunt didn't want to stay in anymore. She said she didn't feel good, and we would have to leave and go home. And um, my parents had planned a big get together with family and friends to come see us. And she said, "No, we have to leave now, and God won't be happy if you don't go with us." You know, and, and there's a fear of that kind of a life, you know, that you, you have to do what your elders tell you. And so we left to go home, driving back to California after several days. And um, I had a nervous breakdown in the car, in the car. I, I was so, I, I was almost losing it. My husband said he was holding on to the wheel of the car as we were driving, because I was actually losing it. And and, 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 and the, the enemy was telling him, just just drive the car into into a the wall, just drive it in and just end this whole thing because I, I was so bad. I was literally pulling the hair out of my head. It was horrible. I had three babies. What, do you, what was going through your head? I, I, I don't know. It was just like maybe from having three babies in a row, my hormones, whatever. I was just, I just didn't know anymore what I wanted in my life because I, I, I was so confused about this lifestyle, so legalistic. And what, you know, what we saw other Christians' life, and it was not, all, all it was was fear, and um, it, it, was, it was just, I don't know, and it just, it just broke me. It just broke me. And we got back to the mission, and I was in terrible shape. And they, um, I remember they, they had set me up with um, uh, uh, what counselors, you know, okay. psychologists and everything, and I just wanted help. I just, I, I just, nothing helped me. It didn't help. And I remember one day, I had gone down to church because I was, I was a mess. But the, the Lord spoke to my husband one night. I mean, I, he said I was literally a mess. I couldn't even hardly take care of my babies. And he said um, he was down in the chapel praying. And the Lord said, um, Psalm twenty, was it twenty two? Psalm twenty nine. It was so funny. For right now, just leave my mind. Anyway. Noel looked up the scripture while he was in the chapel, and the scripture said, Be of good courage. Wait on the Lord, and I will strengthen thine heart. Wait on the Lord. He said when he got that word, it was like a, a word, a rhema from God. 
he knew I was going to be okay. Hmm. And he comes upstairs from the mission to our little apartment. We live in a little apartment up there. You know, it's just one room after the other, three little rooms, you know, kitchen, an office, and a bedroom, and a bedroom for the boys. It was, it was so simple. And, um, but he said, when he came up, I was still the same depressed, horrible situation. And so one day I had gone down because we had to go to the service at church. And I went down to the altar one day and some people prayed for me. And with all the medical things that they tried to get to me, nothing worked. But like that, God lifted that cloud off of me. Hmm. And I was fine. So was that, was that the end of the mission? No, we stayed there a few years more. Okay. But then my, my husband was getting invited to different places to speak, you know, as a Jew. That, you know, yeah, like, the doors were kind of opening, and he, he was yes. able to see there's other options. There's other options, there. yeah. And, um, and that's when he got a call uh, from Melody Land. Okay. We had we, we we were getting ready to leave the mission before that call even came. We we got because we just knew we just it was time for us to move on. We had no place to go, but one night we just both knew this is it's time we've got to go. And two people came with with scriptures, exact same scriptures from the Old Testament about leaving this place and going on. And two separate that wow. same night, two people came to the door. We they said no, we don't even understand what. What, what, what this is, what the scripture is, and we knew it's time to go. Well, they weren't happy when they, because we knew we're going. With three kids, we had no place to go, no money. Yeah. Hardly any belongings. And we, we just knew it's going to be okay. God will take care of us. And um, we, we, um, we went and we called a friend, because of course his, the family, his aunt and uncle, were very unhappy with us that we were, how could you just do this and leave? But we knew that we knew, because Noel was starting to go to Melanie Land. Um, for the men's prayer because he knew somebody that was invited him from okay. Santa Monica to Anaheim. Every Thursday morning, he would get early in the morning and go down to the men's prayer. And so he knew God was doing something in his life. And so um, we decided, and we just left that night. We called some people that we knew in Santa Monica and said, can we put some of our stuff at your, your garage because we're, we're, we're leaving the mission. And they said, you're leaving the mission? Where are you going? We said, we don't know, but God told us to, to leave. They said, what do you mean you don't know? Come to our house. Stay with us. So God opened the door mm-hmm. that very night, and we stayed with our three kids. And it was just a wonderful time just being in there. And we, they, the kids were able to finish school year there. And that's when my, um, he got a call from, um, oh, oh, he was teaching. He was teaching a, a, in a, a Bible study or something. It was some people there in the, in the class and said, they knew we were looking for a place to stay. Yeah. You know, the sun was coming. And they said, um, you know, I know you're looking for a place to stay temporarily. Um, you know, we, we're going to uh, to, to uh, Africa and on to England after because he was a professor of African history. This man and lived in Pacific Palisades, and he said, "We just we can't rent our place. We need somewhere to stay in our home and just watch over our home, free. Just just move in for the, for the summer, and just, you can just stay there free. Just watch over our house." So God opened the door, and we moved in there. And it was three houses down from Hal Lindsey, who had just become famous from reading the, you know, the great Lake Break Planet Earth. And so, of course, Noel got to meet and visit with him. But anyway, so we moved in there, and then Noel gets a call from uh, someone down at Melody Land about, are you interested in teaching for the summer, you know, down here on a summer session? And um, Noel's like, Melody Land? I mean, that was... That was the highlight here. So, so 
let me pause you. What what year are we talking about now? We're talking um, 19, let's see, um, 70, 71. Okay, so, 71 to 72. so, so Melody Land is, is this early, what we would probably call now like mega church. They have all the infrastructure. They got everything. TV. They have concerts. Right. They have everything. everything going on. Correct. So you guys are well aware of who they are. Correct. And, and in his mind, this is a, a big deal. We're missionaries. Little, come from a little mission in Santa Monica. So in that in that time, did you kind of internalize that? That's like the big leagues. That's the big oh, show. We're just oh, small town oh, little. Oh, absolutely. So what what was the response like when he well, told you he, that? Well, hey, well, first he said they just called me. I don't know. I mean, I told him I'd get back to them. I said, "You're gonna get back to them. Call them and tell them you'll do it." You, you mean know? you gotta get back to them? You gotta go. <laughs> yeah, we gotta do this. And so we did, and we you know, and God provided for us. It was just amazing. We, we were able to rent a place in Anaheim, right near Disneyland, and because Melanie Land was close by, and and um, he was he taught there, and then Ralph Wilkerson said to him, you know, would you like to join the staff? We'd love to have you on staff. We need people, uh, pastors here that will do hospital visitations and stuff like that, and. From that point, it was history at Melody Land. He must have been a, a natural at that. When you're working at a, a small mission and you're doing absolutely everything door to door, and those and people loved him. Yeah, you know, he met people that that to, to this day. I mean, before he died, you know, they they were still in touch with him. They because yeah. he just made such wonderful uh, friends. So, how long did he work at Melody Land for? Ten and a half years. And you know what, I, I think that there's a contingent of folks who know that chunk of the story, but fill us in the, the five, ten-minute version of, of what kind of transpires and how Zion Christian Center becomes a thing. Yeah. Okay. So after ten and a half years, uh, things were changing over there, and uh, we, we just knew we needed to move on. We needed, I knew, we knew a few people there that are here, still here at this church now yeah. today. Um, that was wanting to move on and make a change. And Noel was, uh, had gone across the country with another uh, pastor that was from Melody Land, too. They were just doing evangelistic work and ministering across the country. And they were gone for a few weeks. And everywhere Noel went, the Lord spoke to him through these other pastors. He said, Noel, you know what? God didn't call you to be an evangelist. He called you to be a pastor. You need to go back to California and shepherd those people that that are, are hurting. They're, they they've left. They're all over the place. They need they need a shepherd. Yeah. And you need to be their shepherd. And he, God spoke so clearly through this trip that the, the, the pastor he was with, uh, Cecil Pumphrey, some would remember, said, "No, just go 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 back home. That's what you're supposed to do. Go back home." And so um, he called me up, and he said. Um, you know what? I, I, God's just just really speaking to me on this trip, honey. We need to, I, I, we need to start a church. I start a church. He said, "Now, just wait a minute." John Karens is, I know they're getting ready to leave. Also, call him up and tell him, uh, "Don't do anything. I'm on my way back. I want to talk to him." Uh, you know, and I thought. Okay, he says, start a church. What, are you kidding? We're going to start a church now? You know? I thought, oh, my God. I, I mean, you can see me of little faith. We're just a young Jewish couple from New York. And now we're now I'm not going to start a church. So, so Phyllis, I, I want to pause you because sure. I, I, I know a lot of his, his side of the story because it's a story that gets told around here. I'm, I, I'm curious because maybe the generations are a little different, but you're 
a pastor's wife at mm-hmm. one of the most well-known influential churches mm-hmm. at that time in the entire country. Probably in the world at yeah. that time, even. What was that like for you? I mean, he was probably very on demand. His time was demanded of. I, I'd imagine he was in and out of home, kind of at the beck and call of others. I, but he loved it. But, but, but what, was me, it like, yeah, what was it like for you? I was very involved. I was in very involved with ministry, women's ministries. I did the weddings, the banquets. I, I took, did all that. I was the head of all of that stuff. Yeah. And I worked with the gal that was, a, um, that was in charge of women's ministries, Sally Holiday. I don't know if people heard she and Sally Holiday. We're very good friends of ours. And so, I mean, we were busy just ministering, working. At, at, and, and, you know, God was, was really giving favor to my husband. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he, he taught a class at, 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 at 9 o'clock in the morning there at Melody Land. It was full. And, um, uh, oh, I, what's his name? Was, it the, was this the, uh, the, the Jewish history class that you gave me the notes for? It, what, I don't remember. But mine, but he, but he taught mostly, t- t- he, he, but he just taught the Bible, you know. Okay. But, but he did teach a lot of Old Testament. And he would go, you know, just line by line, you know. And it was just, it was wonderful because being Jewish, you know, people were, you know, he was, you know, familiar with a lot of the, the Jewishness, you know. And yeah. So, um, yes, and it was a very successful class. And God just, you know, God just gave him favor. Yeah. He gave him favor there. And he, 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 was, he was really so well-loved there. And, um, but it was just time for us to leave one time when, when things were changing, you know. And well, What was that, that period of time like? Uh, you have three kids. They're yeah, growing up. They're growing up. They were seven, eight, and nine when we got to the Melody Line. Okay, so they're like pushing the end of high school, launching into adulthood by the time this, this is starting to happen. This church? Yeah. This church. Yeah, let's see. They were... Um, yeah, that's right. They were adults. So, so kind of their a lot of their formative years were were done with the two of you highly involved at Melody Land. Well, they even remember the mission days. Okay. When when at Christmas they would just get everything that was brought in. So when when you start you know catching wind or hearing stories that maybe not everything is as it appears to be at, at Melody Land and things are beginning to maybe crack and fall apart a little bit, what what is your first reaction? Well, was, is it, it was, devastation? Is it, yeah, we got to like, get out of here? What? Yeah, what, what, you know, what, what, what do you do? I mean, this was our life now, you know. I mean, we, had, we reached what we thought, or our ideas were never to start a church of our own. Yeah. It was, we're very content. You know, Noel's associate pastor there, one of the associate pastors. He had his, he had his you know, work and ministry that God was using him to do. And um, he was very involved, you know, and, um, and life was good. It was good to tell you the truth. It was good, and yeah. we had no nothing in my in our heads to ever start a church. That was not in our plan. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it, it seems to me like in retrospect, when I'm thinking through your story so far, so now you have this very involved experience of this small time missions work mm-hmm. of nitty gritty day to day, and then you have this ten year experience of in your own words, kind of the showtime. This is like the big time. Right. And it seems to me like almost God has built a fence around, there's nothing in planting a church you're not going to be ready for. Yeah. But, well, you, you just don't know because you don't know. I mean, you don't even know how. We, we, we were a few families. Yeah. That we, 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 we supported, wanted to start with us and said, you know, we're, we're on board. So, so when he tells you, um, I think we're being called to plant a church, it seems to me like he 
has already internalized that that's what's going to happen. Oh, absolutely. Now, are you, are you 100% you're all on board and I'm all in yeah, with yeah. you? Or is it like, I need to hear a little no. bit more about that? No, no, I think I was all on board because, okay. we know, we had several of the families, you know, the Karens. Yeah. Of course, he was associate pastor with us, started with us. And we had the Brits. Yeah. You know, and, and several of the other families that were the, the Macaulay's they, that are here now, still here sure. now. Yeah. And um, several other couples. And they used to meet in my house, the men, every week doing the bylaws of what the church was going to be, the, the, everything. They, they, we, they'd always tease me because I used to serve. I don't cook, you know. I don't mind to cook. I'm not a cook. My children survived me, though. Um, but, <laughs> I, I mean, I was always snacks. There was, there was, it was always a joke, you know. Phyllis is bringing us snacks all the time. And, um, but, and they organized the church. So it, we, we, we were in good hands. Yeah. Because they, they knew what not to do. Yeah. They, knew what they not had to just do. seen it in real time. They knew what not to do, and they were all from you know together. So we all knew what 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 we wanted, and we had no idea we weren't advertising or anything. Yeah, we had no idea how many people. So where can we meet? What, what, so we were looking for a place to meet. Thought well, a hotel that would be a good start. Yeah, a hotel, and we would go up and down, you know, the, you know, with all the hotels in Anaheim there. And, but nothing was consistent that we could have every Sunday morning. Okay, so you're looking for like a banquet hall or something to that house could, this church service. Yeah, that we can be consistent with and have rooms for Sunday school, you know, because Millie was with us. She had a plan for a whole Sunday school. She was the head of the Sunday school at yeah. Millie. And um, so we were just looking, and finally we found this place that was called Griswold's then off the 91 freeway. Okay. And um, I forget what it is now, but it's changed names a million times. And they had they had a consistent uh, things for us to be there every Sunday with rooms for uh, Sunday school classes. And um, what what we did was um, they all the only thing they couldn't give us I think was Easter Sunday and Mel and uh, Mother's Day because they had big brunches and they needed okay. the facility. Okay. So uh, we were able to get in those days of high school and I think it was Anaheim High School. But those two Sundays that we would meet. Okay. So, we, so everything was like kind of settled. So I had I I've heard a story. I think I've heard it a couple times. I, I I've never heard you tell it to me. But is it is it true that the first Sunday that the church meets was the day after your family's My son's wedding? Your son's wedding. How 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 on earth did that play out? When my husband said, "You know what? We're going to start the church uh, January eighth." I said, "Nineteen eighty four." Yeah. I okay. Said, I said January eighth. I said, you know, our son is getting married January 7th. He said, I know, but God spoke to me in Scripture and said it's the first day of the first month of the first Sunday. However, that's yeah. what that, that's when you have to start. And, that, and that's what we're doing with son. I said, are you crazy? So were you planning a wedding and he was planning a church? Yeah, we were planning, yeah. I <laughs> think I was the mother of the groom, not the bride. Oh. So, yeah, so we, we were planning and then we, we were going to stop the church the next day. Wow. Did you sleep? Did. Oh, who remembers? I know. <laughs> you I, must not have slept. I yeah. Had a son getting married, and and the church was starting. We didn't have any idea who was going to show up. Right. And we didn't know. We didn't even know how big a facility we needed. You know. So we, the, we knew the room held five hundred people. Well, who expects five hundred people? You're just opening the doors. Right. You know, no advertisement. Yeah. So we, we got this facility, and it looked really good. And, it, we, and we had planned already because of Millie. We had a full Sunday school. Because of Peggy and Gus, we had a, we had a music to, to start with. I mean, we had a full church scheduled the first Sunday. 
So you had all the all the pieces from the front and all the logistics. You just didn't know who was going to show up and, show and up. be there. Yeah, okay. Correct. And we're sitting there, Ruth Ann, Karen's, and I are sitting in the front row as the church was going to get, you know, start, people start coming in. And there was a big mirror, you know, it was a banquet hall, you know. So there oh, was, just a room covered in mirrors. Yeah, well, like right in front of us was the big, a big mirror. You could see, of course, people coming in. And we kept seeing people coming and coming and coming. And I mean, we would go, oh, my gosh, look at all these people. Look at all these people. And the first Sunday, there were 800 people. And we only could accommodate 500. So we, we you know, we, they stayed with the ushers because we had ushers. We had everything. I mean, it was unusual. It was God. Yeah. It was, you know, who starts a church like this? And um, they were just saying, we're going to go into a second service next week. We're going to have a second, two services. They service. were announcing that from the, the front before anybody even yeah, knew. We, there was, yeah, we're going to do two We got to accommodate you. We'll figure services, it out. Two services next week. And so we did. And that's, and I and may have a little faith. I said to my husband, as we, you can just imagine after that service, all of us, you know, the Brits, the Karens, the, the, all that whole group, we were like, so we couldn't even get down from up here. We, yeah. we said, and I said to my husband, do you think they'll all come back next week? <laughs> that's me of little faith. You yeah. know. That's the Jewishness of worry in me. Okay, so that's January 8th, 1984. Correct. By the way, I'm not even born yet in this story. Oh, isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? <laughs> uh, when, when does there become a serious look towards we got to move out of Griswold's off the 91 freeway when we got to find a permanent home. Oh, it wasn't very much longer. It was, it was pretty much like this is, they are going to come back and they're going to keep coming back. You could just remember, we had a full, like I said, we had a full Sunday school. We had a choir director and we had a choir. We had everything. You yeah. know, back then you still had good choirs. And sure. I mean, we just had everything that you needed. But and we had a little office, you know, that we, that they rented in Anaheim. So, uh, but we, we realized, you know, we got to start looking for property or something, you know. And, yeah. and I mean, how do you, a church is like a, a few months old. How, where are you going to go? You know, we didn't have money. Yeah. And people were starting to commit financially that we will take care of it. You know, we're, we're going to. And we looked and looked in different places and um, just became available. This, and, and it needed a lot of work. Now, this, this property was a church and then it was sold to a cult. Yes. And did that's what we bought it from. You bought it from the cult, right? Okay, so because I've heard stories that um, even like years later, people were going to paint, and it was a hard time because they'd try to paint over the oil marks people yeah. were crossing <laughs> over every door. Is that? They were, yeah, probably. Yeah, they were. That we, it was hysterical because you know we were praying the spirits out of here, but you know, but it, it was it was everyone was so happy they were working here. They just were working to get this place ready. I can't imagine the amount of buy-in that people have. They've been through something traumatic. They've come out of it, and now all of a sudden it's like, hey, we're in this together. Yeah, we, and we were. Everybody was excited. This was their church. And, you know, and everyone knew each other pre- pretty yeah. much, you know, because they all came finally back together. It was like the family came yeah. home. Yeah. What, what, was, what was it like to sit in here on the first Sunday? Do you remember that? Oh it, was, oh, it was glorious. We just couldn't believe it. You know, we just couldn't believe it. We're really here, really home. Yeah, you know, and uh, and everyone was so excited. You know, the pews were full. It was just just a tangible sense of this is this, this is, is right. Ours. This is ours. You know, yeah. God gave this to us. Yeah, and we, and we were able to fix it up. Like I said, we had no. Just ask Millie. She she got all the workers. 
And when nobody says no to Millie Britt, right? <laughs> so we had workers and workers all over the place. Uh, it was wonderful. It was- I, I think one of the, the cool things to sit from start to finish and hear this whole story is uh-huh. it's so obvious that God is weaving this story together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes you hear people's bits and pieces of stories, and over time you've got to figure out where the puzzle piece is. Huh? One of the cool things about just a long conversation is from the point where you go to rescue Uncle, is it Jimmy? Kenny. Kenny. You go to rescue Uncle Kenny all the way to your sitting in Orange at 710 South Cambridge. It's pretty clear that God wove all this together. together. Mm-hmm. He did. That's incredible. Yeah. Okay, so that's what, 1985, 86? Yeah, well, 84 we started, and then we moved in here probably. It was probably 86, Okay, I would think. So, so you're here, and you know the church is, is growing, and it's vibrant, and there's, there's things happening. And, and what, was, what was that like for you? It was just wonderful, you know. The pastor's wife, and I wasn't a typical pastor's wife. I used to tease all the time. The typical pastor's wife always played the piano. Okay. Right? And had blonde hair. So I had no idea that was a stereotype. So you're going to have to. So that was my stereotype. Okay. They played the piano and they had blonde hair. Okay. But I didn't have any. I didn't play the piano and have blonde hair. I did not fit in. To the, I remember somebody once when we were at a retreat, they, they, they didn't really know me at the time. And they said, She's the pastor's wife. You know, because I was. I was just playing and having fun with everybody else. She's the pastor's wife. I, think. I have to imagine there's, there's some element of that because I, I, I feel like you I know you pretty yeah, well. Yes, you do. I, I feel like you are you, and yeah. you have no reason or desire to be anything no, but you. That's right. Uh, I got I to imagine that there's sometimes that maybe made Noel a little nervous. Oh, he, used to, he used to tease and used to go, Lord, it's the, it's the woman you gave me. <laughs> <laughs> It's the woman you gave me. Uh, but but you, probably, you, you probably made his life significantly more interesting. He was, he was, he was just a wonderful man. Yeah. And he, what you saw up here, you saw. That was him. Yeah. He was just real. He loved people. He loved the people, and the people loved him. Yeah. You know, I'll, um, if, if people are going to, they're going to watch this on, on YouTube, I'll, I'll put a link on the video. But I don't know if you know this, but um, not long ago, we tracked down um, him telling a chunk of his testimony. Uh-huh. I think I had sent it over to you. Yes. Uh-huh. And that got posted to YouTube, and that's one of the most popular videos we've ever. Is that right? People were just, they were just so curious about, you know, what is the heritage of this church, church. and and. So, so tell me about that, because I, I had never heard him speak. speak until I heard that video. And the, the first thing was, whoa, he, uh, he's electric as a speaker, yes. wasn't he? Yes. He really loved the Lord. He, he just loved the Lord. And he, it, it, was, it was part of his life. That was his life. Yeah. Jesus was his life. Yeah. You know, that's why when God took him home, we just, why God? You know, it just didn't make sense. Are you are you comfortable talking about that? Oh yes, absolutely. It's, it's been thirty years. Yeah. Last week it was thirty. Oh, years. well, I, thirty years. Last uh, October twenty sixth was October thirty 20th. years. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. Those thirty years, I'm sure okay. some of them felt like whole way too slow, and some whole, of them a whole generation. Fast. But yet he's so he's still so part of me. You know, I, you know, people would always have said to me, "Oh, Phil, you'll remarry," because I was only fifty four and he was fifty five when he died, and. I, I, I had the love of my life. What, I don't want anyone else in my life. This is my yeah. life. He's my life. It's, it's like I'm still his wife, you know. Yeah. And you are. And I am. Yeah. I am. So, so walk us through that. So this church begins. They move into this building mm-hmm. in 1985-86. Right. He's speaking. He's dynamic. He's energetic. He's got vision. God's speaking mm-hmm. to him. All yeah. those sorts of things happen. And at what year does he start to feel like physically there might be something wrong? Well, he didn't even know it was just a routine. 
Okay. It was a routine. He died in 91, so it just had to be a beginning of, I would say, because the whole process was a year and a half of okay. his illness. So it was probably the beginning of 90. Okay. And we had um, just, they just changed uh, insurance companies, so we needed to have a new primary doctor. Okay. And, um, you know, the new doctor wants you to have all these tests. I mean, because he was only, you know, he was 53, 54 at that time, you know. And so the doctors always want you to go and get tested and all that. He said, you know, we were going on a trip. I think we were going to Israel, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we're taking a group. And um, he said to me, you know, when I get back, honey, I'm going to have to make an appointment because they're not going to stop bugging me, you know, to, to take, do these tests. He said, so I'll, I'll just going to do it. And so when we got back, he, he went and take the, took a test. And they found uh, uh, three polyps on his colon. And they said uh, one w- or two, and one was benign and one was malignant. So um, they said, well, we're going to need to go in and just do surgery and get it out. You know, back in those years, we're talking over 30 years ago now that this yeah. happened. Yeah. They didn't immediately say, oh, no, we're going to do chemo. Or maybe, you know, you didn't. They, the doctor did the surgery, removed 16 inches of his colon. And they said, whoever found this saved your life. You know, so we thought it was done. No, no chemo. You know, he was fine. Yeah. But he just never started to really feel good, even though he was ministering all the time. He was yeah. pulpit every Sunday at the office all the time, visiting the sick. And he was just living his life. But he just was never feeling good. Um, and he, he had, you know, late uh, um, diabetes when he was, you know, type 2, I think you call it. Uh, late, late onset. Yeah, late, yeah, yeah. late onset. And... Um, so we kept thinking, well, it's, maybe it's that, you know, maybe it's the diabetes coming, you know, your body has surgery, it's recuperating, and it's, sure. it's changed. And so, but he just wasn't feeling good. So said, the doctor had said, well, let's just take some more tests, you know, just see, we'll see. Because when the doctor did the surgery, he said, we, we got everything. There's nothing. We, we just found this little thing. We, we looked every nothing. So we really thought we were yeah. safe to go. And they finally did, a, like I said, different kinds of tests, and they did a liver biopsy. And by that time, it was like, um, oh, I guess maybe less than a year later, through that process. I, you know, I lose track of time now, it's so long ago. But um, they found three tumors on both lobes of the liver. Okay. And at uh, that time, they sent us to a, an oncologist. And I remember sitting at the table in his office, the doctor hit Noel and I and the doctor, and um, he, he told us, you know, that, uh, that th- this was what the situation was, and that they're going to do chemo, but th- there's no guarantee it's not, not going to get well. And I remember sitting and looking at the doctor, I said, are you telling me that he's dying? And the doctor looked at me and said, I want you to understand what I'm telling you. If nothing else goes wrong... He maybe has a year. Okay. So that was, I mean, you could you imagine sitting so that, there. That was, the fir- that was the first time that you had a conversation like that. Mm-hmm. Was, was he, what was his demeanor like when he heard that? It, it was solemn, you know, yeah. but it, yeah, he was so into the word. I remember he, he would take the Bible and he would take the, you know, reports and he'd go, am I going to believe this or am I going to believe this? Yeah. And as long as I have breath, I'm just going to trust God. And and I and I used to say, but honey, you you you, you can't die. I mean, I, I mean, I, we were so young. Yeah. I mean, my children now are older than we were when he died, and I, I that's how I realized how young we were. Yeah. And he and he used to say, honey, heaven's not so bad. 
<laughs> that's what he would say to me. Mm-hmm. Heaven's not so bad. Mm-hmm. Dear, a hundred years from now, none of this is going to matter. We'll all be together. So that was his attitude. Now, I'm going to trust God. And you know what? And he was in the pulpit here up to four weeks before he died. Mm. Did, did, was it kind of like uh, you took some time to think it through as a family, or was it like immediate, we need to let people know and they'll start praying? Oh, yeah, we, no, yeah, we'd let people know. Right? We never kept anything. He, he would give reports every week. Every time we went to the doctor, he would t- be honest with the, with the congregation, the folks, everybody knew. So up, up until four weeks before, before he went home with the Lord, uh, what, was it pretty clear to people like he, he's beginning to, to fade? Oh, yeah. Oh, they, they knew, especially yeah. people close to him because they, yeah. you know, they, they knew. As a matter of fact, it, it was amazing. You have, we saw the anointing of the Holy Spirit week after week. Hmm. I, would, I mean, I would have to drive us to church. Yeah, I mean, because he was so weak, he would get up on the pulpit, and you would never even know something. Was you know, wrong I've I've him. heard I've heard multiple people tell me that he he looked like he was going to pass sitting in the pulpit, and then it came time, and it was almost like God lifted him up, gave I, him the message, and then it was over, and it was like go back uh, in there. Sometimes we think we'd have to call paramedics because he'd go back in the office over there, and um, I mean that's how that's how bad it was. Mm. No, but I mean, they, they, they couldn't, I don't think they could really believe it, the ones that weren't close to him, uh, because they saw him up here, yeah. you know, normal, like, you know. How, how was it for you to, I mean, your husband at this point is a, a very public figure. Mm-hmm. People know him, uh, not just from here, but they know him from Melody Land and... Yeah, from TBN, he was on. Yeah. Yeah. How, how is it to, you know, you're the one going home and seeing this happen. How is it for you to have to watch your, your husband, you, you know, know be, begin to fail physically in front of so many people? You know something? I think it was a lot of denial. Mm. I think that's how you survive sometimes. It was denial. I think I knew he was very sick, and I knew what the reports were toward the end. But in your mind, you're thinking, well, he's going to be, and I'll take care of him. Oh, you know, he'll just keep living, and I'll take care of him. Um, it's, it's, he's just really not going to die, yeah. Um, even though he's sick, and so that that was. I, I really do think it's it's a covering that God gives you that it's, it's denial. You know yeah. that uh, I know he's sick. I, I, mean, I see it. We know it, but um, he's not really going to die. You know, just that's the kind of attitude I think I had. Yeah. Because when I when he did pass that day, I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, he's he's gone. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm a widow. You know, I mean, I'm word widow. It, you know, it's not. I'm just not real. Just how could this be? Hmm. You know, and um, and you know, and my sons were they were in their mid to late twenties, all three of them, the boys. It was very difficult on them. They would see their dad like that, and they yeah, they've known stories from all the you know men of God that you know weren't living lives like they should, and they say my dad was a godly man. He lived this life. Why? Mm. Why wh- look at why would God allow this to happen? And you know, and I, I used to say not that I was so strong in the you know in, in my faith. I it just you know what it's not for us to ask why. It's just not. Mm-hmm. For some reason his work on earth is done. Yeah, I don't get it. The, the church is thriving. Why would God take him home? Mm. We, we'll know in heaven. Yeah, you know, but his legacy lives on. Yeah, yeah. I remember Peggy McCauley. Um, saying to me, uh, she was at the house a couple of weeks before he passed, and he was sitting on a recliner in our family room, and Peggy was sitting at his feet. I'll never forget that. <clears throat> and um, she was just saying, you know what, Noel, your, your life is going to be like a big lake, and you throw a pebble in it, and the ripples just go out. 
Yeah. That's going to be what your, your legacy is. Yeah. The ripples will go out. And to this day, I still get things. When I get a note in mail or something, uh, there'll never be another Noel Weiss. You don't know what your husband meant to me. This is 30 years later. Yeah. People are still saying that. What, because he was so part of all their lives. Yeah. You know, he, he cried with them. He laughed with them. He, he married them. He, he counseled them. He, you know, they, their babies he dedicated. You know, it's just, I mean, it, the, the people here on the staff were little boys. Yeah. You know, so it, it's just a wonderful thing to see what God's still done. He yeah. Did. Yeah. In the in the months and years after that, where where did you kind of find yourself? Did you did you feel like in those moments God was especially close to you? Did you feel like you were searching, you were treading you know water trying to figure it out? That's, well, treading water, I think is a good way to put it. Um I mean, I it was like, who am I now? I I've been I don't mm. know what else to be. I was a pastor's wife over 30 years. You know, from Melody Land and the Mission. I mean, what else do I? Who am I? What? What do? So, so very much of your identity was wrapped up in being yeah, his wife. Yeah, because I, I, you know, I never had that uh, 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 wanting to be a co-pastor. I, I, that wasn't my. I was, I was so content to be Pastor Noel Weiss's wife. God chose me. He could have chosen any, hmm. any girl that's more talented, more pretty, more thin, more whatever. But he chose me. To, to be his wife, hmm. and um, so I, who am I now? What do I, what, what do I identify with? That's all I know what to be is this yeah. pastor's wife, and um, I, I was happy in my position. I was happy that God called us together, and I got to that place in my life where I, I, this is our life. You know, I got to that, and um, I remember Millie Britt gave me a scripture when I was saying it's this little after he passed. I said, I don't even know who, who am I? And she gave me the Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Hmm. Plans I have for you are good, yeah. not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people from that moment on, during that time of my grieving, had sent me that scripture. Wow. So that was, that's my scripture. You hang on to it. The plans are good and they're not evil. Yeah. So... Like you said, there's there's been a generation since then. Absolutely. So so who are you now? I'm still Noah Weiss's wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I knew uh, very early on. I I started here at it was still Zion when I started. Oh, was it still Zion? Yeah, I don't even remember that. In um, fact, I can I can't remember in serious detail, but I think I was here probably eight nine months before we exited this sanctuary to to you know renovate it all. So I can still remember so the red views. I can oh, remember okay. the flags. I can't remember all the details. Uh-huh. I can't. I do remember um, all the uh, the air bubbles in the carpet. So it was like oh, yeah. it was time. Yeah, you remember the the, uh, the, the um, stained glass. The stained glass back here. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. You but even had a little star of David. <laughs> I, I don't remember that. <laughs> you know what? I I have a hard time remembering the place, but I do remember the people. And you were you know one of the very first people I remember. Like I have no idea who on earth that woman is, but. <laughs> She's crazy and she's hilarious, and I gotta get to know her. Uh, yeah, that was that was some of my earliest memories. I remember Natalie and I thinking, like, is it strange that this eighty-year-old woman is our best friend at church? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was so blessed too when when Colton was born and you oh. had me come to the house to. to get oh to yeah, the yeah. Oh. Blessed me so much. It's it's interesting because he uh, already who who does he know? He knows Miss Krista. He knows Mrs. He calls her Camberia. Oh yeah, <laughs> and Miss Phyllis. Oh. Yeah, 
Every now and then, uh, while he's bathing, I'll pick up my phone and he'll ask me, "Are you going to FaceTime Phyllis?" Because oh, we used to chat oh, on FaceTime right, while he was, was in, in the, the bath. bath. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But he's he's uh, he's a little nervous now that you're going to see his his butt. He oh, doesn't want to show that off. Well, then he's growing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, so, I mean, I, we're going to wrap up pretty pretty shortly here. But I, I'm just curious. So, 30 years, mm-hmm. you have a lot of stories in those 30 years. Mm-hmm. What would you say God has done in you or, or through you in those last 30 years? Well, I think I, I had to um, learn for myself. Yeah. I didn't have no wise to ask questions. Hmm. You know, I mean, I didn't have to, you know, really study. I'm saying that to be facetious. I didn't have to. But I, you should, but, I, you know, I if knew. If you had a question, you knew you could just go home and ask it. Yeah. yeah. Anything I wanted to know, I just asked him. Was, th- was there an element then where you would say, Clearly, you believed in Jesus. You had accepted him into your heart. You, you loved him, but there was an element that sort of Noel's faith was also your faith. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember even someone, um, was, we were talking about going to heaven. I said, oh, yeah, I'll go to heaven, and I'm going to get to see Noel. And I remember I, that's, I, God spoke to my heart and said, you know what, Phyllis, it's not going to heaven to see you know you just gotta say going to heaven you're gonna see jesus yeah then no not hi jesus where's noel (laughs) (laughs) that's where i was at the be at those those days the beginning so what would you what would you say are the the big things that that god has spoken into you in the last 30 years you know i think just to, to be consistent with serving god no matter what yeah that god is he's real i mean otherwise why are we why are we even here why are we here Either you believe it that it's really when you go through when we I've had to go through a lot of trials during this thirty years things you know divorce in my family and um, just just very difficult situations but you know what I've had to hang on to God and God has been so faithful to me to give me close friends yeah no really I you people have no idea what that's like. You have a good family, and they all love you, and that's wonderful. But when you have close friends, that you could tell them anything, and they still love you. Yeah. You know, and God's been so good to me that way. I mean, he really has. And, um, you know, and as these these last years of my life that I've lived, it seems I'm more of a focus. Like, I have to keep my focus on heaven. Hmm. That just seems to be where I'm kind of thinking, you know, what, what does all this matter? You know, to have this life, there are things and trials and things right now in my life that, you know, are not easy for me. But I have to focus, you know, heaven, it's going to be all better. Yeah. It's going to be all better. You know, I, we were celebrating Millie's retirement a few weeks ago. Yes. And I was thinking, you were up there with those friends. That's right. They're, they've not only been your best friends, but they've been alongside you for a long time. And I was thinking, you know what? There are so many, you know, I had done youth ministry for a decade, and I was thinking, there are so many teenagers that are hurting for just one, one friend. One friend. And you have this group of five, six right. and women. And we're all saying we're their best friends. Yeah. And you're all arguing over who's who's best, best friend. friend. But how that group, I mean, maybe you've added one or two, but what, 50 60 years? Be, well, we, when we got to Melody Land. So it was 1972. 1972. So 50 years next year. Right. That, that is incredible. It is. I yeah. mean, when you think about it, I mean, I mean, we, and we really are like family. Yeah. We, uh, we could call each other but no matter what time of day and they'd be there for each other. Mm. I mean, it is a blessing to know that. 
they're, they're true friends in they the are. Christian sense. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You can tell them anything. They know all about me. And, and they, they still like you? They love me. <laughs> tell me they love me. <laughs> I think they're telling the truth. Yeah, thank you. Uh, as, we, as we wrap up and, and just kind of finish our, our time, uh, what, w- what would you want people to know about you? If, if let's say, they, they saw you, maybe they sit over away on this side of the sanctuary, they've seen you a hundred times, they've never talked to you. What, what would you tell them? Approach me and... I was just going to say, come see me. Just this last Sunday, there were a, a couple, he plays guitar. And the first time he came over and introduced himself to me, I said, can you imagine we sit right opposite each other in the aisles and it's the first time we talked. Yeah. And so come, come down and see me. I'm old. I don't want to go walking around. <laughs> <laughs> but no, really, I just, I just love to meet people. I don't remember names very well, but... Yeah. I, I would say that's uh, been your gift to us is I, you are incredible at making people feel welcome right away. And I'll tell you what it is. It's it's that you're willing to be honest, even even your little little bit that you just said that until Noel passed that in large part, your faith was tied up with mm-hmm. him being the pastor. Right. I, I think there's a lot of people who'd be really nervous to say that out loud, like somehow mm-hmm. people will look down on me. But I think those little things put us at ease immediately. Uh, and I think that, that that's a gift of God in you, that you, everybody who knows you loves you. It doesn't matter if they're your peer or they're my three-year-old son. Uh, and so I, I think that's a, a gift that God has put in you. And I'm, I'm so grateful to consider you my friend. Well, I'm blessed to have you in my life. I can't believe you said yes to this. And let's see, we've been sitting here for, you want to guess? Two hours. <gasps> Two hours, yeah. Oh my gosh, who's going to listen to this for two hours? <laughs> I'm a lot. I, I guarantee you, a oh lot my of people. Gosh, two when hours. I told people that I'm going to have Phyllis on for for two hours, they people were like, I oh, when is it coming? I want to I want to listen. Oh, you're to kidding! No, oh no, my it's, goodness! It's it's been a, a privilege oh, to sit and chat with you. I hope that people, uh, I I hope that they get a, a real glimpse like I have as I've been oh. sitting here of who you really are. Well, I um, love you. You know that, Andy. I love you I too. Love you. <laughs> well, yes, thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, we're, we'll sign yeah. off. Yeah, we're all done. <laughs>